Hello, St. Matthew's United Methodist Church. I'm Pastor Kelly. And I'm Pastor Dave. And it's uh, great to be with you today. We are continuing in the series that we began, what, last week or two weeks ago, uh, where we're talking about our story and how the things that happen to us uh, become part of our story. And it's important for us to to uh, include that when we're telling others about uh, how we have, how God has impacted our lives. Today, we're talking about uh, it could be a, a heavy subject or something that's not as comfortable to talk about, uh, but we're talking about our trials and how they become part of our story as well. <laughs> that's all I'm good for yeah. is the light. Is the <laughs> light? Yeah, I think I think too. Like I don't think my sermon counted as part of the series, right? Because we kicked it off with yours yeah, the yeah, week yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, so it's been two. This it's is two. this is week two. Okay, got. I'm making sure you're unmuted. <laughs> I I didn't think you were muted. Uh, I loved your sermon Sunday. Thank uh, you. I think I told you I mm-hmm. I had texted Amanda and I told her I was like, "This one's good. You need to be here." She was like, "All right." <laughs> All those others they're throw away. Oh, man, I love that you said that to me too. I was like, "Dave, that's not what I said. It's what I said." I uh, know. <laughs> I, I think you you're a fantastic preacher. I just I really, um, it's funny like because we were talking a little bit recently about like personal takes, right? Like we always mm-hmm. do that when we're on here mm-hmm. and. Uh, the content that you brought forward and the way that you brought it forward are things that I deeply resonate with. So, well, I th- this is such an important topic. I mean, really, to talk about it's got a, it's, and it's important for a couple of different reasons. It's it's important because it is part of our story and part of mm-hmm. who we are. It's important because these things don't get talked about enough, mm-hmm. um, and because they don't get talked about enough, because we feel uncomfortable sharing our trials. Right. With others. And I admit there's, you know, cases where they're appropriate and cases where it's not appropriate. Of course. Absolutely. Um, but when it's appropriate, you know, the stories of the trials that we go through, the hardships that we encounter, really are the things that connect us the strongest uh, to other people. Mm-hmm. And what a better way to, to you know, share our story than to include those trials so that we can uh, connect to other people and let them know about the goodness of God that is at work, even though right. um, you know things don't go the way we want them to all the time. Yeah, and I and I think um, for me, what's always fascinating when I talk to believers who haven't either progressed in their own understanding of things, right, to that place of faith, mm-hmm. or are just theologically opposed to it completely. I'm like, do you read the Bible? <laughs> uh, because like one of the things that fascinates me about Scripture is the, the people's willingness to just say how much they failed and how much they've screwed up. Because it's like for me, it's it's awesome. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I'm not going to get up in front of a group of people and tell right. them how I've just failed uh-huh. in every facet of my life. But it is one of the things that I think is is really important to our faith is that the people who've gone before us onto glory, right? Mm-hmm. This is their testimony. And, and the written words of, of the scriptures, what we've inherited and, and kind of not necessarily our blueprint, but but their example before us is mm-hmm. one of mm-hmm. being uh, honest and vulnerable and and very direct about their struggles and what they're what they're going through. Um and it's fascinating to me that in the where I live. Now I'm not going to pretend like that's how it was then. I wasn't mm-hmm. there. I don't mm-hmm. know. But it is fascinating to me that culturally and societally, especially in my experience in the church, is that we don't do this. Right. Well, and that makes our faith fake. 
<laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. Um, um, you know, the reason why scripture is so powerful is because they are honest and they do talk about the trials and the way they've messed things up or, um, you know, done, you know, how their sin has kind of corrupted their lives in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we come along and we want, we think that somehow some, for some reason, uh, we have to pretend like everything's great because we're a Christian. Yeah, and that has never been part of the faith. You know, no. God God working as a force field, you know, creating a bubble around all the faithful so that nothing in the world bad will go wrong is is a cartoon. It's it's not a picture of real faith. It's a picture of this fake faith that is so often <laughs> out there and turn frankly it turns people off. Mm-hmm. Uh because it creates this uh separation, you know, they're dealing with whatever kind of trials they're dealing with. And if they don't hear Christians saying, well, I've dealt with that, or this is my story, and these are the trials that God has helped me through, then then there's no connection there. You know, by opening up and being honest and saying, yeah, I've had trials too, mm-hmm. um, that's a connection point. And I, I, in my experience, that has been a powerful connection point um, where I have made kind of the closest touch to somebody is when we're talking about those trials and those hardships. When you know, we can talk about, you know, all the good things and and this week we're going to be talking about blessings and that's going to be a, a lighter kind of thing and those mm-hmm. are great too. But you get somebody's attention and you create a real connection when you can talk about the the times when things went wrong. Yeah, I feel like for me, um, you know, I maybe I'm just oversimplifying this, but I think the crux of our faith, or even to the point of like, you know, Jesus comes to not, you know, fight the devil mm-hmm. and to tell us we're terrible people, but to fix the problem of sin. And for me, one of the one of the things that I see is direct consequence of that. Or, or I won't, I don't want to pretend like I'm going to assign motive to Jesus here, but I am. This is my own take, and I'm allowed to have it. Is that it's restored intimacy, and if you hide things, if you lie. Or you're not honest. Um, you're withholding intimacy, mm-hmm. and I and I go now as a 36 year old person in my life. Not every day. Sometimes with God, I'm like, nah, I'm like I'm gonna hold that. Um, but but more so now, I understand it from that lens of, oh, you want this. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about like confessing our sins before God, and and I need to. I need to say something because I think I've done it. I've stepped in it here for a sec. What I did not say when we started our conversation is that when bad things happen, it's a direct consequence of my actions or your actions, right? Sometimes bad things happen because bad things happen. There's not, it's not a consequence of, of something else. And I, I need to make that distinction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's not always about sin. I, when I say sin, I don't mean personal sin. I mean, like we live in a fallen place and sin is, sin is a constant. Right. So I'm not, I'm saying that against that backdrop, not mm-hmm. you sinner or me sinner. I mean that like, because things are, there's problems now. Like that, right. I'm, 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 that's what I'm speaking to. So mm-hmm. people who might be hearing this might be thinking, oh, you're saying if I did this or because I've done something or whatever or somebody else, like I'm like, that's not what I'm saying. Maybe mm-hmm. sometimes that's the case, but mm-hmm. also, um, but, but furthering the point, um, when I withhold, my vulnerability, or my struggle, um, it reminds me, I think it's in 1 John, it says, he who says he is without sin is a liar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and when I say sin, I don't mean like terrible badness me. I mean like when I pretend that I'm not struggling or there isn't something that God is working on in me, I'm not being honest mm-hmm. and truthful. Mm-hmm. And and lastly, I want to kick this back to you after this, is uh, I talk about Adam and Eve all the time. But when I think about what breaks, when they disobey and they eat the fruit they're not supposed to eat, and the direct consequence after that is they lose intimacy. Mm-hmm. They lose the relationship. There is now a barrier between them and God. And at the opportunity where they have, where God gives them the opportunity to be honest and to be vulnerable and to like be open, mm-hmm. they choose to close off. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, that's like my daily life. Like that's what I struggle <laughs> with. And there, and it sure. makes sense now of, sure. oh, maybe one of the reasons we have this and it's and it's shared with us this way is to go, if I'm doing this, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, we shouldn't shame ourselves or shame other people into like, why aren't you making better choices? And why isn't your life better? And why like da da da? And I'm like, nah, it's not gospel, yeah. man. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, we can talk about this in general. Uh, in the message yesterday, though, I gave a specific uh, instance of, of how one of the trials that I've gone through that mm-hmm. I live with is that I struggle with depression, I've done that for a number of years. It's kind of um, advanced as I've been dealing with it. Um, and it's really uh, um, something that ever t- I've, I've realized, I've noticed that every time I talk about it, and if you want to see, hear the whole story, check out the sermon, it's it's up, up on YouTube. Um, but every time I talk about it um, in a public way, there's usually people in the congregation or from the audience, depending on where I'm talking, that will come to me and will say, thank you for saying that. Um, because I struggle with it and I've thought, you know, it's you know, all kind of different things. Uh, but it, it creates that connection that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm honest, I'm open, I share that story, I share it openly. This wasn't the first time I've told, told it. Um, but I share it openly. And I do that because I think that people of God need to be open about their trials. Um, and that that in particular, you know, the uh, emotional issues that exist today are always tried to, you know, people are uncomfortable with that. And so Mm -hmm. they try to kind of sweep it under the rug. Sure. Um, but I think, you know, the medications that we have, the people who, uh, work and, uh, you know, counselors and therapists who work in that field, um, have come such a long way. And I think that God has blessed them with the gifts to, to deal with things like depression. And God has worked within the, the people who've created the drugs, um, to, to bring that blessing to us. And so, um, you know, and I, I think that it was God working in me that made me realize kind of what was going on, Mm -hmm. uh, in my life and made me seek that first contact, that first counselor that I went to see. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't like, you know, what the depression, now I can say what it was. I couldn't even put it to words. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I didn't like this feeling that I had and that I wanted, mm-hmm. uh, to find some relief. And so I went to a counselor and I began that road of, um, I don't know if it's healing, but it's dealing with, with the depression, um, you know, in, in healthy ways, instead of just dealing, you know, dealing with it in unhealthy mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, I, uh, I I heard this one time somebody told me that healing is a journey, not a destination, mm-hmm. right? And it really helped me set what I would consider 
more appropriate expectations as to my <laughs> my progression through you know depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. and things that I also am navigating. Um, you know, people people talk about working your recovery, right? That's that's uh, if you struggle with like substance abuse or addiction, right? Like those are words mm-hmm. or phrases that mm-hmm. are used. But when I think about like uh, the stigmas around like mental health, mm-hmm. um, and you know that you can get up and share something that you are currently working through, and and also like there's degree there's varying degrees of where you're at in that process and and how that works, but that you're not ashamed of that, and that somebody in the congregation or online is going to hear that and go, I have permission to be myself. Yes, and you're like, yes. always though. Like, and well, and I hope that people hear that this is, this is not happening because you're not praying hard enough mm-hmm. or because, you know, God is ignoring you or, you know, any of those kind of things that that's also part of the Christian culture can be is that, uh, you know, if you're depressed, we'll just pray harder, go to church or do this or do that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's depression is kind of a, the, chemicals aren't balanced right in your brain. I mean, um, you know, going to, uh, forcing yourself to go to a party, isn't going to cure your, your depression uh, <laughs> right. or, or any other, you know, crazy thing like that. Right. I, I think too, like there's this, this weird thing, um, where, you know, the answer of like, well, just pray harder or make better choices yeah. is like, like I, I said it before, and this is harsh, but I think it's anti-gospel. Mm-hmm. So when I think about Jesus, right, and I think about um, Jesus coming to die for our sins, right, and I go, oh, it's this. Mm-hmm. It's restoration. It's mm-hmm. the restoration of all things. Mm-hmm. It's me believing that my anxiety and my depression are things that Jesus is actively working against because they detract from my life. Um, and that like one day I will not deal with them anymore. Um, but it's not like, so instead of like not acknowledging it, it's like Jesus like comes and dies and goes, let's acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. Not like you're never going to deal with it anymore. It's fixed. It's, oh, now you can do it from a place where there's restored relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And like, now you can, you can work it, work through it together. Mm -hmm. And and there's another thing you said there that I think is really, really, really important. Now look at me and my eyeballs, everybody. <laughs> Pastors are not therapists. I'm gonna say it again. Pastors are not therapists. Now, you might know some pastors who are also therapists. Now I can't speak and, and there will be a license hanging on their wall if that's the case. And I and I can't speak to that. I can also say though it is very difficult to like there's one hat you wear. Mm-hmm. You don't wear a pastoral hat and a therapist hat. You wear there you because those things are it's not that they're trying to accomplish different things. Well they are trying to accomplish different things. But they're different things. Mm-hmm. Um so if you if I hope that you've never heard from a pastor, the things that we've said, <laughs> like pray harder, make better choices. Um, now maybe people need to make better, fine, right? Um, but I am not a therapist. Mm-hmm. I'm not a psychologist. I am not a psychiatrist. And so if you need services or you need help, right, go get that help. Uh, a a pastor is not in your life 
trying to help you uh, in those ways. Now, maybe they can supplement and there's some spiritual things we can work through together. And that's like, I'm all, I'm here mm-hmm. for that, right? Well, and as pastors, we're trained to recognize things and to refer. Yep. Um, and so that's what I always do. I might recognize or suspect that somebody has depression, and then I'll encourage them to go see somebody who deals with depression. Right. right. And that's a whole thing, too, of like, you know, I can also tell you, if you're hearing me going, well, I'm going to go talk to a therapist, and the first one you get in, you don't jive with, and it doesn't work, and then you go, that pastor lied to me. I've also been there. I had a season of life where I went through four different therapists over the span of eight months before I found one I liked. So like this, this takes work. It's hard work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but but what we are not saying is that, uh, or what I, I'll speak for myself. I'm not saying that I have a spiritual answer that is going to fully help you navigate something that you might need additional services or additional mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. And they can both exist in the same place. Mm-hmm. You can get like spiritual help and psychiatric help, and they're both wonderful gifts and blessings from God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything that is about restoring you and helping you, I think is from God and it's good. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I think that's part of God's plan is that yeah. we be healthy and that we be restored. Uh, and that's sometimes going to be in the form of a pill. Right. And that's sometimes going to be in the form of somebody who's been trained to recognize depression and to talk about it and to help people understand really what it is. I mean, that was my biggest thing to start with. I didn't, I didn't say I have depression. Uh, You know, my, my, my thing was, you know, I'm angry all the time Mm. and I'm tired of being angry. And it wasn't until I went to see a counselor that I started to to connect. Oh, that anger is due to the depression is due to, you know, the, the other stuff that's going on. Right. Um, that's ultimately, you know, messed up because the chemicals in my brain aren't where they, where they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, the pill helps that chemical imbalance, Mm -hmm. um, as best as we can. Um, but, but then, you know, so, you know, talking to a pastor and walking with a pastor along with a therapist through, through, you know, this, this journey that we're in, I think, um, you know, that's in, you get the best of both worlds kind of, kind (laughs) of by doing that. Uh, you get somebody to talk to and create that relationship with and that you can be personal with in ways that you can't really with a therapist mm-hmm. um, and who will continue to walk with you and and in a have a spiritual partner, so to speak, to walk you through that. So so having both, I mean, I would highly recommend that. Yeah. And, and they they fulfill different parts of your needs. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you have a need for community. You have a need for spiritual community and you have a need for medicine and, and health. Um, you know, when I did this monstrosity to my hand and my arm last year. I didn't go to a pastor and have them put the thing back on my finger and go, please, please pray. I went to a hand surgeon and then they, 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 they did surgery on my hand. Mm-hmm. And I think too, like a lot of times around mental health and emotional health, because a lot of those wounds are not things we can actually see. We think that there's a different answer than the way we would say something more practical. Like if you have a sinus infection, Kelly, looking at me, you know, go to the doctor. That's my wife. Where is she? She's always <laughs> like, Kelly, go to the doctor. I'm like, eh. but but it is that thing of like, because those are recognizable because there's a mm-hmm. symptom mm-hmm. that you can like literally like touch or see or hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think at times, at least for me, the way that the cultures that I've inherited, including the spiritual cultures I've inherited 
is because some of those conversations are, are uncomfortable for whatever reasons, right? Maybe because people aren't used to having those conversations, maybe the culture they grew up in, maybe their own things that they're dealing with are kind of being, um, you know, not taken out on you, but like they're being implemented into that conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, so, if somebody saw what I did to my hand, they would immediately tell me to go to the doctor because mm-hmm. you could see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't see when somebody's struggling with depression. Mm-hmm. You might see it, kind of, but it's a different thing. And so I would say we should, not we should, my hope would be that we would have the conversation the same way of like, mm-hmm. oh, you need a doctor. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted me. Like when I had my accident and it happened, nobody that was there was like, well, if you pray hard enough and you make better choices, it'll magically like, right. they they wanted me to go to the doctor. Somebody drove me mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um we, I want us as spiritual people to adopt that same mindset and that yeah. same love for our neighbor that we would, we would go to bat for them and to encourage them to, to be okay. Well, and, and the call for us to be together and to support one, one another is there even when, you know, somebody has depression mm-hmm. or you don't understand, or you don't have a name for, for what's going on for yeah. somebody else. Um, still include them. I mean, the, since we're on the, topic of depression i mean uh the winnie the pooh uh character eeyore is the is the classic example right uh, for all intents and purposes eeyore is clinically depressed mm-hmm. and what do the friends you know the the pooh friends do they still invite eeyore to the party even though they know eeyore is depressed or suspect that that's going on he's still included and that to me that. is is you know, is the gospel story, you know, include, invite, even those that are broken in some yeah. way, uh, are, are not like us or make us feel uncomfortable or whatever the case may be, invite mm-hmm. them anyway. Yeah. And I, so I'm going to use Winnie the Pooh. This was not part of the notes. <laughs> uh, I love this. So out of the Winnie the Pooh universe, which character am I? Which character am I? Tigger. Of course. <laughs> and one of the things I love about Tigger is Tigger interacts with, when Eeyore's having a bad day, Tigger changes. Mm-hmm. Now, Tigger doesn't stop being Tigger. Tigger doesn't like sell, like doesn't like completely alter his personality or not be true to his truest self. But Tigger is emotionally aware of Eeyore's needs and is helpful. And I think too, it's really tricky. Um, you know, if you are a person, so say, for example, when you're listening to us talk, you are not the person in the room who struggles this way. Say you're the Tigger. You're like, well, life is great. Why isn't everybody like happy all the time? And da, 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 da. And, and, and I think from a, from a spiritual perspective, there's a couple of different avenues there. One of the most destructive and harmful avenues I've seen is what a lot of the Christian culture that you've kind of named that I've also experienced is what I call assimilation. So it's if you're not like me and you don't have the same outlook or the same energy that I have, then you don't believe enough. That is incredibly damaging and harmful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa, where um, you overdo it, where you change completely who you are as a person because you can't be yourself around other people. Mm-hmm. So everything becomes about the care of another person and you are probably woefully and inadequately prepared or equipped to handle that in that way. Right. So there's the balance of if you are a person who was who loves or cares about somebody who struggles with these things, you are also allowed to be yourself too. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out mm-hmm. you're figuring out 
the ways to do that in a way that are that are helpful uh, and and true, right? And, and and so what I hear you saying is that we have to be authentic, and that being fake kind of cuts us off from others because we're not being that true self. The, we're not right. being the person God has created, right? Uh, or, or we are, and it's it's something that nobody else can see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is the key, uh, you know, to being. Um, a Christian is the way that Jesus taught to be a Christian is to be authentic and to be who we are warts and all. Mm-hmm. And to, to bring those things that are hurting us uh, to Christ, pray for those things, see others who can help us in that, uh, in that search. Um, and, and realize that God is at work no matter, you know, where we are, we might be, you know, in the Psalm 23 in the, the Valley of, of death. Mm-hmm. Um, but God is there too. Mm-hmm. And God is with us, you know, no matter mm-hmm. where we are. So as if we can say that, and if we can understand that our connection to our neighbor is very similar to our connection to God and that we need to be there for our neighbor and those people who are surround us, then we're starting to learn, you know, what the gospel really is about. Yeah. And I would say too, like, that's a life fully lived. Mm-hmm. When you get to be like in real authentic relationships with other people, life is really freaking good. It is. Right? When you realize like, oh, like we're going to have good times and there's going to be bad times, but we're in it together. Like what you've unlocked, <laughs> like what, you, what you've now gained access to, as far as life is concerned, I think is very full. So I, mm-hmm. I say things mm-hmm. about Jesus and maybe these, this is incorrect. But I say things like I think Jesus is like humanity as as human as human is intended to be, mm-hmm. right? So so Jesus is like oh full relationship with God as it was intended for Adam and Eve, and it's like oh that's interesting. Now granted Jesus's context is living it out in a fallen world, right? So it's not paradise yet, right? Right. Um, but Jesus is is authentic. Jesus mm-hmm. is Jesus, and then Jesus is interacting and, and supporting and encouraging people in the capacities in which Jesus can, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you—I think, to your point, when you start to do that—and um, I'm going to steal the point you made on Sunday, because I thought it was so brilliant. You said when we are—I believe what I heard you say was, um, when we are not honest and vulnerable with our neighbors, we literally build fences between ourselves. And— uh, and I'm not talking about like the cool fence with the guy from Home Improvement where he would like peer over it and talk to them and you never saw his face. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like, I want to break bread with people. I want to mm-hmm. be in relationship with people. Like mm-hmm. as Amanda, my wife and I have gone through trials and, and, and difficulty in our lives and we've stuck it out together. Life has gotten better. Mm-hmm. It's been more fulfilled, yeah. right? Yeah. And so when you do that in a community sense, um, I think that's important. And mm-hmm. I, and I want to share this too. I think too... Um, I want to call to importance to something that I think I sometimes miss. So whether you miss it or you miss it, I don't know, but I do. Is when people are honest and vulnerable with me, that's miraculous. Like the idea that somebody would open their soul or their heart to me and trust me with like knowing them, mm-hmm. that I've even been invited into that is something really awesome. And scary. Yep. It's it's got a weight to it, right? But that's gospel. Mm-hmm. Like as communities of faith, it's mm-hmm. it's that people would trust me that I would be worthy of that trust as I've lived my life out. 
but also that I would have people around me that I could trust in such a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you talked about context before, right, of I didn't say go up to your coworker that's got a deadline to hit and go, you want to know all these deep personal things that you have no connection to? No. <laughs> There's appropriateness there, right? Um, but as as people of the faith, I think it's it's a good value or or, or, or good thing to strive towards to be those types of people Mm -hmm. that we would be trustworthy and honest and vulnerable with others, but that they could also in turn trust us. Right. And, and to consider it part of our story of faith, Mm. um, you know, our story of faith is not just the mountaintop moments where, you know, we've had this good feeling or listened to a, uh, something that has turned us on, um, or gotten us excited or we felt goosebumps or any of those kind of Mm -hmm. things. I mean, it's all of that, but then our trials are part of that story too. Right. And if we can get to the point where we can understand that and share, you know, then we're, we're being authentic with, with others. Um, and it's our story. It's us. And God was with us um, in the goosebump moments. And then God is with us it, when we can't come out of our, come out of our closet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God is, is with us no matter what. Um, and if that is part of our story and part of the story that we tell and, and share with others, uh, it's going to make an impact, and God's going to have an avenue to work um, through that story. Right. Um, and that's my prayer: is that you know everybody knows this this ideal kind of relationship with God and this ideal community that is built when everybody is authentic, when everybody is open, and when everybody can share with each other, regardless of you know our emotional strength uh, or you know our emotional. Uh, um, uh, illness or whatever at the time. Um, yeah, but it's, it's there and that's being real. Yeah. I think, and I think the church historically and culturally right now, when I talk about church, I talk about BC, mm-hmm. big C church and our culture has this incredible opportunity to model that well. Mm-hmm. And, and I want us to take advantage of that, of like where we normalize. This is a word I've been using a lot the last couple of weeks. You've heard it in the office, do you? Is, we have to, I want us to normalize this conversation. Yeah. Like we need to normalize mental health with physical health um, and, and creating safe spaces for people to be vulnerable and honest and work through those things together mm-hmm. because that's what we're called to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and for such a time as this, right? Um, so my, my final thought, um, I want to share... Um, this therapist that changed my life, uh, I will not name them, but they gave me this analogy and it helped me. So I, my part of my story is um, I deal a lot with shame. So thoughts, um, history, past trauma, all this stuff that I did was woefully <laughs> ill-equipped to handle and to work through and to navigate, uh, not just for myself, but even from spiritual things I had heard and inherited of well, if I prayed harder and I thought harder or I did better, then things would go better, right? Um, and some of those things were self-inflicted and some of those things were not. And so I was I was talking with this therapist and I was explaining to them all these things I was thinking through and talking through and they just kind of just sat and listened, kind of like you do. Um, <laughs> and they said to me, Kelly, you know, I think emotions are a lot like being at a dinner party. And I went, what? It makes no sense. And what he said to me was, so think about this, Kelly. You're having a party at your house, and I'm Italian, and I'm from the East Coast. 
So that's all I know how to do is party. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, bring your grandma. Bring your grandma's grandma. We'll have enough food for everybody because my grandma cooked enough to feed 80 people when there's five people coming. Um, and so I was like, okay, I get that. I get that. Like I'm having a party and I'm hosting and it's my, it's my space. So this is my house. This is my safe space. This is where I live, not where you live. This is where I live. Mm-hmm. But I'm inviting people to come in. Cool. Okay. So I send out invitations, right? And then all these people show up at this dinner party. And he's like, and so your emotions are like, there's a bunch of people who show up at your house. Now you can't control who they bring. You can't control like how they behave. Mm-hmm. And you absolutely can't control how long they stay. You can't control what they do inside your house. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I've been at those parties. <laughs> <laughs> Where it was awful. Yeah. And the and the and what you feel and the extremes of what I felt and the low lows and the high highs and the middles and like there'd be times I'd be hit with emotions out of nowhere and I could not explain why I felt them, where they had come from. And I had never had a frame to explain that. Mm-hmm. And what this person had done was help me go, oh my gosh, I didn't even invite half the people that are here. Get off my bed. That's my mm-hmm. bed. Like, stop yeah. jumping. And like, and so I learned a lot about going, oh, so what you're saying is, is I have permission to feel whatever extreme that is or whatever capacity those emotions are hitting me. I don't have any control over the how they're happening. And he and what he finished with was, so what we're gonna work on. So what he didn't tell me was, but what you have control over because I didn't yet. Because I wasn't at a point in life where I had developed the tools mm-hmm. or the, the ability to like discern. He said, but what we're going to work on now, and what I'm going to walk alongside you, this is a Christian man too. He said, now we're going to learn how to work through those emotions as they happen. Mm-hmm. And it changed my life. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons I'm married. It's one of the reasons I'm, I, I'm the dad I am. Um, was this believer who understood that they were a therapist and they helped me navigate things in a clinical session without telling me that I needed to pray harder. Um, and it, I, I'm so thankful for that man. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Yep. Yep. Those are those. He was a blessing for you. Amen. Amen. All right. What else is there to say? What about you? What's your closing thought? What do you got? My closing thought. Just that being honest and being open is who we're called to be. Mm. Uh, we're not called to be perfect. We're not called to be a saint. Uh, we're we're called to be honest. Um, those things that are troubling us, we you know, Christ has said we can lift them up to Him. Mm. Um, we can pray, and it does make a difference. Um, but we're also part of the community, and and God has touched and blessed and gifted people in that community. Uh, in ways that can help us, just as we've been blessed in ways that can help them. Mm, and good. so as we are honest um, within a community together, a real community, um, we we get to live out the, the fullness of the gospel um, together. And I, th- I think that is as close to paradise as we can come. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Want to press and, out? Uh, oh, no, we, go ahead. Go ahead. What do you well, got? I was, and that's what I pray for everybody. That's yeah. what I desire for everybody. Uh, those those folks that I get along well with, those folks that I, I don't get along well with, <laughs> um, the folks that I don't understand, that, that is my prayer for everybody. Hmm. 
is that they would find, you know, I, I talk a lot about peace and I think it comes from my, my journey and, and that desire for peace. But that is, that is really what I desire for everybody to, to be in the place uh, where God has created them to be. And mm. we only get there if we're honest. We only get there if we, if we're open. Um, mm. And we only get there with the, with the power of Christ in our lives. And that's where we're being pulled to. Yeah, it sounds like I love that, man. Uh, I'm so I'm so thankful for you. I thought your sermon Sunday was great, and I thought this conversation was great. Um, and I think too, like my final final thought, I have so much to say on this topic. Uh, is um, my encouragement right to myself and to those who are listening is um, this is a heavy this is a heavy thing, um, and so much of the way that we interact with these things as individuals is inherited culture, right? It's an imprint of how we were raised or, or what we've been exposed to or what we haven't been exposed to. It's how we understand and how we navigate things or how we quote unquote negotiate with things as we're trying to process and figure stuff out. And um, I know from firsthand experience as a person who has dealt with things personally, but also been the resource for other people as they've tried to navigate things that um, what we're encouraging people towards and what we're we're sharing here is not in the na- the naivety of what we're asking but what we're encouraging people mm-hmm. towards it's it's hard stuff and but it's worthwhile um and I loved what you said is it's a really good glimpse of what it can be. Um, and the peace that God gives us and what we can we can encourage and try to build for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's hard, know that the work is not in vain. If it's hard for you or it's hard for people you care about and know that um, doing the best you can and being vulnerable and honest, um, it's worth it. Amen. Amen. So everybody go watch some Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> And come back next week. Uh, I'm Pastor Dave. I'm Pastor Kelly. And blessings on each of you. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God, we ask that you you help us to find the community that you intend. We ask that you help us to be open and to be vulnerable and to receive the the healing that that comes through uh, the community that you give. Lord, bless us with the strength and with the courage to be honest and open with with our brothers and sisters and help us, O oh Lord, to be open and honest with you. And through those efforts, may we become whole and may we find peace. Oh Lord, these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs>